I'm Guillermo Jose, and my dad died in a plane crash two months after September 11th. And we're live. There's uh, no going back now. Welcome to the very first episode of Dead Talks. Very first episode of Dead Talks. My name is David Ferrugio, and I have a very special guest today, A, because it's the first one, and B, because he's a good friend of mine, um, and I heard of his story through a mutual friend of mine. Jake, if you want to say hi in the background. Hey, what's up? I'm Jake Malott. Uh, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. So I'm with uh, Guillermo today, and he has a very interesting story about someone he lost in the past, and as soon as I heard the story, when Jake kind of mentioned it to me, I just knew he had to be on here. So Guillermo, uh, once again, I've said it 13,000 times, thank you so much for being here. Um, and I really appreciate it. So just to kind of get into it immediately, um, G, if you want to just paint the picture like we mentioned and just tell us who we're remembering, uh, we'll just get started. Yeah, what's up, David? Thank you for having me on your first show. So we're here remembering my dad, Jean-Claude. Um, I lost him at a really young age, 12 years old, back when I was living in London. So it really happened quite suddenly. And I remember the day, obviously, and I'll remember it for the rest of my life. I was actually at my cousin's house and it was in the evening. I was playing with my two younger cousins and we were in their living room. They were both, what, six years old and one year old. And we had the news in the background, the TV was playing and I remember seeing a the news was, and there was footage about a plane crash. And, you know, at the 12 years old, you kind of watch the news, you understand what's going on, but you don't really understand what's going on. And we heard, you know, there was a crash happen and the plane was departing from New York. So my aunt was in the living room and she obviously sees the TV and sees the news and she runs to the TV and turns it off. And I don't really think much of it. You know, I see my little cousin and think, okay, perhaps she's just, you know, turning off the TV. She doesn't want my little cousins to see death, see all that traumatic experience. So the night ends, you know, I go back home the next day, don't think much of it. Um, and obviously the next day was a school day. It was a Thursday morning and we were supposed to wake up at 7.30 a.m., both me and my brother, to go to French school, which is the French lycée that I went to in London. And I remember I was supposed to wake up at 7.30, then 8, 8 a.m. passes, 8.30 a.m. Both of my, me and my brother wake up and my mother's not there to take us to school. I'm like, okay, this is very odd. So we wake up, we go over to our TV, we start playing video games. We start playing um, that video game Taxi. I don't know if you ever played it. It's like a little video game where you... Wait, is it Dreamcast? Yeah, it's like on the PlayStation where you're a taxi driver and it's kind of like on your head over and you can you literally pick up people and drop them off. And you can kind of... Dreamcast. Run. Yeah, Dreamcast. Yeah, Dreamcast. Dreamcast. I play yeah, 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 yeah. Run over yeah. and everything. So <laughs> anyway, we start playing that for like, you know, like 10 minutes, 20 minutes. 30 minutes, I'm like, okay, this is really odd. Like, nothing is happening. This is a school day. Something's up. So about an hour later, my mom comes down and um, obviously she's she's boiling and she sits down and she's like, guys, I have um, something to tell you. 
you know, your your dad was on a flight last night going from New York to the Dominican Republic and the plane had a problem and it crashed, taken out, taken out from New York. And I remember obviously, you know, thinking, is this real? And my whole body just freezed, went numb and I felt some part of me, you know, I felt like I was you know, having an out-of-body experience. Right. And, of course, felt really, really sad and you all start crying. And You're with was, your brother at this point? That was, yeah, with my brother. How old is your brother? At this my point? brother was 11 years old. Okay, Are you the old, you're the oldest? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm the oldest. So that was pretty much, you know, the day I found out that had happened. What happens? When, what is that? Cause I, from my own experience, and just like any traumatic experience, it might be in that first moment. You always remember that first moment. So, from what what happens to you, what happens to your brother? Like from that day on, what like what do you even do? Well, I mean, from what did that, I mean, from that day on, I mean, when I was a kid, usually I was pretty hyper and everything. So, it didn't hit me. It hit me pretty. Obviously, it hit me pretty badly. Both of us and. Um, that whole time after that, when I started being a school, I started getting into quite a lot of trouble, honestly. I started, um, you know, getting into a lot of fights at school. And before that day, you were... Before that day, I was, I mean, I was always hyper. I was a troublemaker. I like, you know, to mess around. I was one of the people, you know, I kid, you know at class, I like to, you know, maybe throw a few objects, whatever. Go home, to play taxi, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But I was never a troublemaker. After that... From that point on, I was always trying to, you know, vent out my anger, let out my rage some way, somehow, which obviously wasn't always the healthiest thing to do. But right. um, started out doing, um, I don't know, anything from little fight clubs at school, which I thought was fun at the time. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, Before, we're going we're gonna to digress with your story, but what do you mean fight clubs? You mean literally fight clubs, like Brad Pitt, Ed Norton fight clubs? Well, yes, but I, I guess uh, you were, we were like... 13, 14 years old, and we would... Um, you and your brother, was your brother involved? No, no, no. My brother was, he was more of, uh, he was much more reserved and inclusive. I was much more outwards. Right. So where he was much more reserving all of his rage and be very silent, I was outwards and pouring it all out. So I don't know, we would usually, you know, go out to, what is it, either the car park or... Or the back streets in London. A car park? What's a, what's a car park? Car park. Car park. Car park. Car park. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, okay. <laughs> Progress. And we would, yeah, so we would, like, you know, do little street fights and place bets on each other. So who no would be shit. the winner? So that was one of the very unhealthy ways I would project my anger. And it actually took me, you know, obviously a lot of time for me to realize what were the other ways to come to terms with what had happened to me. And did you, at the time when that was happening, did you know that, like, you said you were the, more the outgoing, expressive, aggressive, right? Correct. At the time, did you know that's that what was coming out, just, like, dealing with whatever the, what just happened with your dad? Or is it just, to you, it was just, I'm just fucking angry? No, to be honest, I thought it was just cool. And yeah. I thought I was just an odd man, and I thought I was, you know, like, one of the rude boys or whatever. How'd you do? What was your record? Ah, uh, you know, I want some, I lose some. So I, I fought this one guy who um, was, what, like, about twice the size of me and was two years older than me. He beat the living shit out of me. 
and came back home with a few black eyes. Obviously, mummy wasn't too pleased. Was you, do you have a good relationship? Like you and your mom are close. Were you yeah, close? yeah, yeah, we were super close. So what did what did you, what did, hey, what did, also like we're gonna get to how she responded to the fights because I'm just curious about that in general. But what? How did you how did you see your mom at that time? Like you know what I mean? Like how did you see your mom dealing with you? Did anything change, or did she? How did she feel? How did she see? Like how did she go about it? Well, honestly, at the time when you're like 12 years old, you. 12, 13, you can't really focus too much on how your mom feels. You can't really percept. I mean, obviously, you, you're you there for your mom. You know she's sad. You hold her hand and everything. But you can't really understand how she feels and the burden that she has having to take care of two kids right. that are right at their teenage years, that are growing up, and that you know she has to take care of. And on top of that, she had to deal with, you know, we were at the time. Obviously, we were moving house because she wanted to move house because our house and her of all of my dad. She was dealing with all you know the papers and the lawsuit that came from the plane crash and everything. So she had so many things going on in her life that I couldn't even start to comprehend how hard it was. But obviously, as you grow up, the more you start talking to people, the more you start growing up, then you start understanding how amazing of a person, you know, she really was to be able to not only deal with that of a, that heart of a loss, but to grow up with two little kids that are just, yeah, with the fucking you know, fight club. Yeah, right? doing, doing fight club, like messing around, like doing all kinds of things. Like, yeah, she's already dealing with losing her husband. All of a sudden your fucking asshole son comes home with nine black eyes. <laughs> I'm kidding. You ain't an asshole. I, I didn't always make it easy, but you know, yeah. I like, I like to think, you know, nowadays I make it easy for her in other ways. So, yeah. So it happens. It's, it's funny. I, I lost my dad at 12 years old as well. And I, it's, I made a lot of realizations as I got older. Like it, it you really, you just hit like a button there because I knew that, but you just kind of put a label on it at 12 years old. You know, you know, your mom's sad, you know, she's got a lot on her plate, but at the same time you don't, you're dealing with other shit. I wasn't, I guess maybe I was a little more of a little bitch. I wasn't starting fight clubs, but at the same time, now looking back as a grown ass man, I think about that. I'm like, I almost think shit. I wish I understood that more at a young age, almost be there more for her. But when you're, you know, when you're 12, like, life is just different. Your perception of life is just different. So now being a grown man, looking back at it, like what was your progression as you got older? Like, did you start noticing anything as you got older? Did you start reflecting on it more or your perceptions of anything as you got older? You know what I mean? Like, did you start making realizations about what the hell just happened? Yeah. So, I mean, as I got older, we started, I mean, obviously I started um, starting to go see a psychologist and someone to talk about what had happened to me. And I remember at the beginning, it was always hard to go see someone, to talk about such a traumatic and painful experience to someone you don't know, to a complete stranger, mm -hmm. makes it very awkward and it's the last thing you want to do. So I remember one of the first things, you know, we, we go see um, a psychologist and one of the first things they ask you, oh yeah, come sit in the chair. And they ask us to draw drawings and we were drawing drawings and, you know, I started drawing all kinds of like, a war scene and whatever whatever it might have been. And is that one specific one you remember, like a war scene? That, that's one that thing out? I specifically remember and one thing that my mom told me. And for me, it was kind of that click moment that made me realize what was going in in my head as the, you know, the person that was evaluating me asked me, Guillermo, go draw whatever you want. 
draw what's in your head. And I drew, obviously, you know, like a, like a scene with trees and kids and whatever and like a plane crashing and, you know, like fire and pretty, a pretty traumatic scene. And obviously without knowing, that is how usually have kids talk about their feelings. You have them express it through art, through drawing, through, I would say poetry, but sometimes it's hard when you're that young, mm -hmm. but through art. And that was one of the ways that I was able to express myself. And at the beginning, I found it really hard, but the more and more I went to, the more I felt relief about going, speaking to someone. It's by no means easy. It's probably one of the hardest things I had to do. But little by little, I felt like some I was chipping away with a hammer at all the heaviness and the burden and that baggage I had stored inside of me. So what you're saying the hard part was just in general talking about it, just opening up or talking specifically to a stranger? It was it was both, to be honest. And what was it that just clicked? It was just kind of just you felt like you had to do it, then eventually it just became easier and easier? Yeah, exactly. I had to talk about it. It became easier and easier. And honestly, the few realizations um, that you come to, honestly, was one, it was that. I believe the second one was when I was talking to um, my uncle and he reminded me of my him and my dad's story. So my dad, he lost his dad when he was 18 years old as well. So my dad had, was one of three kids. He was the eldest. His younger brother was 15 and his youngest sister was 12 years old. They lost their dad to cancer. And when, you know, when they lost their dad, my grandfather, they pretty much inherited a lot of debt, had to sell everything and were living in a studio apartment in Paris and it was really hard for them and it kind of you know came to realization that you know it happens in life and it's something that you have to come to terms with and you have to try to live with and I thought you know I saw how well my dad had come out of it how well he had progressed how much he had made for himself and he's honestly my role model I aspire to be like him every single day for me the minimum I have to provide for myself for my family is what he provided mm. so if he can make it I can and so can anyone else now is this something that you understood about your dad you know before the plane crash or is this something as you got older and you kind of applied it to your situation I knew it it didn't really ever understand it. Obviously, at 12 years old, at 10 years old, right. you never really understood it. But it's something that became more and more apparent to me as I grew up. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And where was your, I know at this point, what did you, now looking back at it, how did your mom handle it? If you don't mind me asking, how did your mom, what was her perspective, what was her perspective on the entire situation, raising two kids? How did she, from my understanding, it sounds like, she was a great help in getting you through it, I'm sure. So was there anything you noticed from her, her lesson was or what her viewpoint was? Like, my mom, I grew up with an Italian mother. For better or for worse, I mean, I, I thank her every day for 
who I am today and how we, my, she got me and my two sisters out of it. She was just like a, a bull with the horns. Like she was just like, okay, we went back, she went back to work like the next week. Like we were back into school and just life goes on bull horns to the bell. And it was just, that's how she took it right or wrong. Was, was there a way that your mom kind of, I don't know, was there a way? Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, luckily for us, we have a huge family. So my mom is one of six brothers and sisters. Wow. So Luckily for us, she had a lot of, you know, support, uh, emotional support when she was gone. So, you know, whenever she was sad and couldn't take care of us and something was going on, we had at the time two uncles and aunts that were living in London. So they were taking care of my brother, me and my brother a lot of the time. And my mom at the time, you know, I didn't really realize it, but she was working a lot and just she made me and my brother to priority. Right. It's, and you know, up to this day, I, I thank, I thank her for it. I applaud her for it, but I kind of wish she, she took more care of herself. Right. Did, you know, applied more of the priority, but you know, she wanted to make sure that we didn't end up going the wrong path. But at the same time, she, she, you know, ended up being happy and happier. What One of the things that, you know, really made her eventually feel better and calm. So she eventually found uh, meditation and yoga. And that was one of the things that really, really spoke wow. to her and was able to calm her and, you know, centralize her and be able to, you know, come, you know, bring her to peace. With a lot of things. Jesus, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, and what about, I mean, just even fast forward, I mean, that's some, it's just crazy. Once again, the fact that it happens so quickly, it's like, you know, one day you're just playing taxi and the next morning out of nowhere, that shit just lays on you. So it's like the abruptness, you're not, not that you're ever prepared for it, but just the fact that you had to deal with it in such an abrupt situation, it was just, you got to figure it out as you go. There's no preparation for it. So, I mean, just kind of wrapping it up from there. From today, like, where, where do you stand today? Where do you, like, is there, is there, do you think about it more as you're older? Or, like, what, what do you think your process is today as a grown man? I mean, yeah, no, do I think about it? I think about it. I mean, I I definitely think about it on a, I said, weekly, bi-weekly basis. It definitely always resonates with me. It's always stays there with me. And, I mean, as I was, staying, as I was saying, um, whenever I struggle, whenever I feel something hard coming on, I always try and reflect on, upon, you know, where I came from, what my dad would do, and, you know, what, how other people can, would do in my, in my position. So, you know, to anyone that has lost someone there and they think there is no tomorrow, it's dark clouds, you know, for all the rest of the days. It's not. It's hard. It is a struggle. It's not easy by any ways but there is light at the end of the tunnel and we have to focus on is you know the happier things in life and trying to get through with it and even if it is uncomfortable talking about it reflecting on it you have to do those things and surround yourself with the people you love mm. surround your things with the things you love and you know love it but i mean it's fun the other thing is, um, I remember as well the um, when September 11th happened. Actually, mm -hmm. it was a it was another very memorable experience because it kind of 
brought me back for full circle to it happened obviously two months before my dad passed away. Wait, we need to tackle that part. So this is your plane. Your dad died in a plane crash two months after September 11th. Correct on November 12th. So that's was, some crazy shit. That's yeah. some crazy shit. I mean, just it, it's crazy shit in general. But just the fact that we're sitting here and just that the whole go on. That's just some wild shit going. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean. It, it happened. It was one of the things, you know, it was overshadowed by, you know, obviously, you know, the whole September 11th thing, which was, it was crazy. I mean, I remember seeing that and it was, I was coming back from, from school and I was, you know, taking the bus back and I remember the bus driver telling me, have you heard what happened in New York? And I was like, no, what do you mean? He was like, two, two towers came down and I was like, obviously, I didn't really understand. I was like pretty, you know, traumatized. And, you know, he was like shocked. And I come back home and my my dad and my mother are like in front of the TV. And like my mom is in tears because she knew people in New York freaking out. My godfather lived in New York. And, you know, we were both there. And we would, I remember sitting right there with them and thinking, you know, what if, you know, one of them would have, would have been there because yeah. my dad literally f- goes flying to New York pretty often for work. So it was kind of a resonating experience thinking that two months later he would go ahead and be there. So, so it's, it's funny. It's not funny, but the, the same thing kind of happened with me and my buddy Scott lost his dad. Um, I want to say it was like, I don't know the timeline, but it's pretty, pretty recent, like prior to when my dad passed. And I remember sitting there with my sister saying, I can't imagine. I can't imagine when that happened. It was kind of similar to you have than, than it fucking happens. Right. It's like, what the fuck, what the fuck are you, like, what is that about? It's just, it's just, that's just the, the, the bizarre part of how life works. But, um, what I wanted to add, we didn't get into it too much, but what, uh, how many people are on that flight? How many people passed? That were about, I think it was just, there's about 120 people. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I mean, I guess I was twelve at the time, but I don't hear. I guess it comes overshadowed with nine eleven to, to like two, I two mean, months before that. But of course, I mean, you have something like nine eleven happen. In, uh, how yeah. can you? How can you hear how about it? How can you compete? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. Like <laughs> it's not exactly like you know you have like yeah, we one. Had, we one had three, I think we had three or four planes. You only had one. <laughs> exactly. But, um, but no, man. I think uh, you know you you said a lot of things that really just resonate and i know shit's gonna hit me after we even start talking but for people that don't know you like i I found out through jake i found out through jake and like you know as i know you're just always having a good time happy go lucky we drink we do our thing blah 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 always have a good time and you would never know it so it's like i think that's the beauty of it i think like you said for people that are going through it right now you know you could take the red pill the blue pill you don't know which way you're gonna go and honestly there really is only one way you should go and it seems like you went that way so i really appreciate you just saying everything you said and just being here um i think your story is unique and it needed to be shared and for anyone listening um i think there's a lot that you guys can learn from this guy to my left so g i want to thank you so much for being here again and uh maybe we'll uh do this again sometime but probably not now david thank you for having me and i'm always happy to talk about this and you know i remember when you asked me to come on the show and talk about this and Honestly, you were some, you know, maybe a bit apprehensive about asking me. You wanted me to come on, but like, honestly, it's one of those things I've come to terms with. I'd like to talk about it mm-hmm. because not only is it good for 
myself is reflecting is good for you is good for everyone involved because they learn to they learn about themselves they learn about how to deal and i learn about myself and it's therapeutic for sure it's talking very about therapeutic it. talking um, about it that's it i mean no i think i didn't state and i don't know if it's you know the best way to end it was that you know one of the Just things say it. Whatever i it mean is. honestly it's kind of it's kind of fucked up but you know <laughs> My dad, my granddad lost his dad as well as a young age. So in a really fucked up way, I kind of had a feeling I might lose my dad at a young age. Jesus. Why? Just because like, just because that happened and just automatically thought the possibility of it and the possibility starts overwhelming. I don't know if it was, you know, um, you know, some like mid, some, it was a black magic that happened or something that fucking, <laughs> something that fucking happened that was yes. scarce, some shit like that. But yeah. I don't actually believe that, obviously, but I had a feeling in my gut somehow that that might happen, and you know it did. But you know that is life. I've been grant. I've been blessed in so many other ways, and it's brought me to the place I am now today. And I right. wouldn't be the man I am today without it. So, you know, it is what it is, and life goes on. So it is what it is, man. And I think that's the. I think just saying it is what it is because it is what it is and you just kept moving forward. You know, and you have a sense of humor about it too. I think that goes a long way. Um, but there's really nothing else you can do sometimes. You accept it, move on, start a fight club and <laughs> become the man you are today. That's another conversation I want to have. That's still great. But Jay, once again, man, thank you for being on here. Um, a cheers because once again, I said at the beginning, this is the very first episode. He came on and it fucking happened. So once again, dude, cheers, click clap. Cheers, mate. Thanks again, and thank you for tuning in to podcasts, and more is coming, all right? This is David Frugio, and cheers. Cheers.